Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots, unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Today's message is from Gary Lear. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Okay, well, we're going to open with a word of prayer. Dear my Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Lord, so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that was made on the cross for us, Lord, is... As we sit and we watch the world literally fall apart around us, we thank you, Lord, that we are citizens of your kingdom. The wrath that is due to affect this world won't affect us. And, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for loving us so much that you would pay the ultimate sacrifice for us. Lord, we lift up the prayer requests of the church now, as there are many, as those dealing with health issues. and We've still got those with loved ones in the hospital and uh, Lord, we thank you for Jim, who uh, we prayed for last week, who was in the hospital that I see in the congregation tonight. Lord, we thank you for, for your healing touch upon him and for watching over him. Lord, we just pray now that you be with us as we go to this service. May all the things we do, we do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're ready to get started. As you guys can see, we got rid of the hippie drummer we used to have. He's all cleaned up. Don't he look better? So, so your your hair is off now to locks of love. Okay, locks of love. So, yeah, he came in with a ponytail this morning. Said today's the day, and the next thing I know, Donnie Wade's over there going to town on him. You know, Jesus drove out evil spirits. Donnie Wade drives out hippie spirits, apparently. <laughs> Just a couple announcements. Uh, August 29th, that's going to be our makeup roping since we did not rope last night after the Gymkhana. We will do our jackpot roping uh, on the 29th. We're going to sign in by 545, 530, and try to ride by 6. And uh, that will be our normal uh, jackpot that we do here. Uh, It's a numbered roping. We'll be paying out 80% in prize money. And so uh, for anybody who's interested in that, that will be on the 29th this month. Uh, Saturday, September the 12th, we've got a Gymkhana and a roping combined, um, and that'll be the last of the Gymkhanas for the season. And then we'll have a couple more ropings, I think, after that. Ladies Bible Study is still meeting here on Wednesday mornings at 9.30 a.m., but I have a note here that says they will be having a brown bag social following the Bible study this Wednesday morning. So ladies, Cram whatever it is you cram into a brown bag and bring it with you, as long as it's not your husband or parts of your husband. But, well, you know, there you go. That's right. Uh, Lady Zoom Bible study will resume in September. So if you want to know more about that, you need to see Stacy. Uh, we've got coffee mugs in the back if you're new. Uh, we want to make sure you get a coffee mug before you leave. And if we have any kids that would like to go with Linda, now would be the time to go with Linda for a lesson. And she's going to take you outside, so it'll be fun. So uh, this morning I showed up here with three verses Lots of information stuffed in my head, and I had no idea how God wanted me to present that message, this message. And so, needless to say, I don't have an outline, and I can't promise that it's going to come out the same tonight as it did this morning. 
So if it comes out very different, then I'm going to have to charge you guys for being here because I only do one service a day, and if I do two, I have to charge a cover charge. So I'm going to let Stacy determine whether or not this is a chargeable message or not. Can you handle that for me? Okay. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, she has no faith that I can remember what I said this morning. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, needless to say, I was overwhelmed this morning with all the information that I had, and I didn't know what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do with it. And um, I'm not as overwhelmed tonight because he showed me what to do with it this morning, and I just hope I can kind of repeat it. But um, but I want to start by, by saying this. We are so fortunate that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. Um, folks, he, God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you and for me. John 3.16 tells us that he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. Now, opponents of God might say, well, God was a coward for sending his son to do that job. Um, I can assure you, and I think any of you would, you would rather sacrifice yourself than you would your child. Uh, I know there is not a day that goes by that I'm not tormented with Caitlin's death. And this uh, week alone, at one point in time, I called out to God, why did you take her and not me? And uh, then, of course, reminded me that he didn't take her. She took herself. I can't imagine what greater sacrifice God could have made. And this is God. This is the God that created the heavens and the earth. This is the almighty. This is the most powerful deity that, that there is. I mean, there, there's none bigger than God. There's no one more powerful than God or more knowing. And God gave everything that he could think to give, and that was his son. That was the most important thing. It takes a lot more to sacrifice your child than it would to sacrifice yourself. But he sacrificed. He sent Jesus down here to be sacrificed for your sins and for my sins. So that this world would have victory over sin. You know, Satan drew first blood in the Garden of Eden. But God, God's still in control. He sent Jesus down here to fix what Satan had done. And so I want to start this message by that. The love of God is not something that we can fully comprehend. But I can assure you that he loves each and every one of us. Every person on earth. The lady that jumped in my face this afternoon for not wearing a mask in Walmart. And you know what? I was wearing this hat and my reaction was much different with this hat on than it was with my contractor's hat on that the guy got much different. Yeah, I did pretty good with her, didn't I? I just simply turned around and said, ma'am, you don't know me. And that's all I had to say. Yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, right. But you know what? God died for her. Jesus died for her. He sacrificed for her. And the person that cut in front of you in traffic and you had to hit your brakes real hard if, if that happened this week we have to remember that Jesus died for them too you know all of our enemies I think of the enemies that are enemies of the United States you know they have the same shot we've got because Jesus died for them all the same every single one of them 
And we have to remember that, that God loved not America, not just Montrose, Colorado. I do think he loves cowboy churches a little more than the traditional churches, but that's just my personal opinion. But he loved the world so much that he paid the ultimate sacrifice, a sacrifice that I don't think a single one of us would have paid. Not a single one of us. With that being said, there was a time in history that God regretted ever having made man, having ever created mankind. We read in Genesis, prior to the flood, that God regretted that he had created man. And he was ready to wipe man totally off the face of the earth. And then Noah came onto the scene. And because of Noah and his righteousness and the righteousness of his family, he spared Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. And that was it. Think about that. The rest of the entire world was wiped out. Wiped completely off or washed, if you want to call it that, completely off the face of the earth. Why? How bad must it have gotten that God would regret ever having made man? Because when I look at how bad things have gotten in more modern times, I can't imagine how bad it must have been then. Think about all the atrocities that man has committed, some of within your life. I think of Hitler and what Hitler did to God's chosen people. I look at all that's going on in the world today. Shoot, you look at what the United States did when they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Now, I'm not saying that I'm criticizing our president for making that choice. I know he did it to end the war and save more lives. I'm just glad I wasn't the president that had to make that call. But can you imagine what that would have been like when those bombs hit that city for the people in that city? Folks, that city was full of innocent people. They weren't all soldiers. So when you think of the atrocities that mankind has committed against mankind, just in our recollect, you have to wonder then how bad must it have been prior to the flood? You know what hell is, folks? I've heard people tell me, oh, I've lived hell on earth. My life's a living hell. Well, You lose a child and you might feel like you've lived hell on earth. But I can assure you, none of us have experienced hell. See, hell is the absence of God. Jesus is the only thing standing between us and hell right now. Hell will be a place where people spend eternity where there is no God. And I can't even imagine. So there's not a soul on earth, no matter how hard your life's been. You know, mine hasn't been a bowl of cherries either. But there's no one here on earth who can legitimately say, well, I've lived hell on earth. What do I have to fear hell for? And I've heard that a hundred times. They know not what they say. Because God is still here and Jesus is still standing between his creation and hell right now. That's not always going to be the case. So when I think about how bad it must have gotten 
that God was ready to wipe the entire human race off the face of the earth. Basically, it was a society. Mankind had become a society where anything goes. Honestly, that's what it was like. Anything goes. Satan worship. You see, Jesus came and died on the cross to save the world from Satan. There's only two forces, and I've said this many times, there's only two forces to be reckoned with on earth, God and Satan. If it's not God, folks, you can bet it's Satan. It doesn't matter how much you polish a turd, it's still a turd, right? That's a construction term that we use in remodeling. We get called out to fix up an old house, and it's all you're doing is just polishing a turd. Bottom line is, it's still an old house, no matter how pretty we might try to make it. Satan is still a turd. No matter how polished he might come across, we need to remember that. If it's not God, it's Satan. If it's not of God, it's of Satan. People all the time, oh, I beg the Lord I, for wisdom. I, I need to know, is this what God wants me to do or does he want? It's real simple, folks. Is this of God? Is this something that God blesses? Is this something God condones? Because if it's not, then it's of Satan. There's only two choices. And Jesus came so that we would have victory over Satan. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Think about that. Satan's only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy God's creation. Us. Mankind. That's it. That's his only job. You know, if I only had one job to do at a time, I'd get pretty darn good at it. If all I was was a preacher, Jan sings that song, We Don't Need No Fancy Preaching. Well, that's a good thing because I don't. But if all I had to do was preach, I might be fancier than I am now. If all I had to do was build one project at a time rather than be spread out the way I am right now, I guarantee my attention would be focused on that one project and I would be much better than I am when I'm spread thin. Satan only has one task. Every single thing he does, he does to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to realize that. And Jesus is the only thing stopping him. Okay? So society prior to the flood, they had removed God from their society. It was a godless people. The world had become a godless place with the exception of Noah, his three sons, their wives, and his wife. Otherwise, the entire world was godless. We think we've got it bad now. The world is godless. It's getting more godless as we speak. But there are still God's people. His church is still here, praise God. So our society hasn't come become completely godless yet. But that's what it was. It was a godless society. Now, I've learned in my research, I have studied 
the Bible. I have studied the Old Testament. I tend to spend a lot more time in the New Testament than I do the Old Testament. And I think that might be about to change for this very reason. We've all heard the saying, if we forget our history, we're bound to repeat it. And we know that to be true. The example that I like to use, how many of you women out there have had more than one child? You can raise your hand. If you remembered how horrible the first one was, I guarantee you probably wouldn't want to have a second. But God has built it into you somehow to not dwell on that. But if you remembered how bad it was having that first one, your husbands, well, we'd be sleeping in the doghouse because you wouldn't want us around no more. And you know I'm right. It's funny how when we forget something, we're destined to relive it. And I've seen that play out in my own life. If I didn't learn my lesson the first time, pretty soon I'm right back in the same mess I was in again. And I've repeated the same stupid mistakes. So the Old Testament is more than just historical. Because what it does is it points out the, the mistakes that were made, not just so much by the Israelites, but mankind in in a hole. So we're back before the flood and we've got a godless society. That means anything goes, folks. That means sexual promiscuity was running rampant. What most of us need to keep behind closed doors, society had brought right out into the public. We see things on TV about people defecating in the streets of San Francisco Well, imagine sexual promiscuity taking place in that same manner because that's what it was like back then. Homosexuality was running rampant. Incest and and every kind of defilement of the Word of God was going on at that time. But not only that, the worship of Baal or Baal or however you want to Baal is how I'm going to pronounce it. The worship of Baal was taking place. Baal is a demon. Baal is satanic. Satanic worship requires human sacrifice, child sacrifice. That was part of their worship. Baal was the fertility god, not only of human reproduction, but of crops and whatnot. And so people would think that if they wanted a blessing from Baal, they would sacrifice their firstborn child to him. That was Baal worship. That's what was going on back then, that kind of a thing. And God had had enough. So he destroyed everybody except Noah and his family. Now let's fast forward just a few, and I mean not very many, generations. See, mankind, with the exception of Noah, was wiped out. But Satan and his demons were not. See, Satan and his demons were cast to the earth after that war that took place in heaven. We read about it in the book of Revelations. Michael and his angels versus uh Satan and his demons and Satan lost and they were thrown out of heaven and sent down to earth. Folks, they're still here. See, Satan is not gone. He's not like us. He doesn't have a use-by date. He's still here. And all the demons that came with him, they're still here. So when you have Baal worship, it's satanic worship. 
Because there's only two. God does not require human sacrifice. He gave the ultimate human sacrifice by sending his son to the cross for us. But he does not require your firstborn. And he doesn't require your best calf or your best steer or your best whatever anymore. So this was going on. After the flood, it was only a few short generations later, and we have Sodom and Gomorrah doing it all over again. They had become a godless society. Only a few generations beyond Noah. That means that would have been like Noah's great, great, great or something. Only a few generations they had already removed God from society again and were right back to the same practices that got the world flooded in the first place. How bad was it? Lot lived there. And we read in Genesis how Lot was visited by a couple of angels. A couple angels came down and they told Lot that you need to pack up and get out of town. And as they entered Lot's house, the locals, some of the men, some of the locals of, 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 of the city of Sodom came to Lot and said, give us those men so that we can have relations with them like fresh meat how disgusting and perverted is that that they would live in a place where that was going on but the worship of Baal was going on there again and what happened God destroyed it fire from heaven God destroyed it and you know what it wasn't too many generations later Israel of all. After all God did for Israel, he brought Moses to Israel and he brought him out of Egypt. And he performed miracles and signs in front of them and he spared them from Pharaoh and he did all that he did. And in just a few generations, we have the kings of Israel. We know King David and then Solomon. Solomon built the temple for God as instructed by God. He built this grand temple in Jerusalem. And upon Solomon's death, Israel fell into civil war and was split into Judah being the southern kingdom and Israel being the northern kingdom. So there was two kings, one of Judah, one of Israel. One of the kings, just a few generations after Solomon, was Ahab. Ahab messed up. And married Jezebel. Jezebel was a Canaanite. Let me back up and fill you in on who the Canaanites were. Canaanites were descendants of Canaan, who was the youngest son of Ham, Noah's son, who came off the ark. The Canaanites were cursed. The Canaanites worshiped Baal. The Canaanites occupied what we now know as Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Israel, at least that region. The Canaanites inhabited it. And Baal worship was what was going on. So when God sent the Israelites into the promised land and said to wipe out these civilizations, this is why. 
It wasn't because God wanted their land for Israel and he just wanted them relocated. These were evil, Satan, Baal-worshipping cultures. God had already destroyed before the flood. He destroyed again in Sodom. He destroyed again. Didn't wipe the whole bunch of them out, but took their land and gave it to Israel. Problem is that some of them hung around. Jezebel was Canaanite. She was a Baal worshiper. Okay? Follow me. So you might ask, how then did Israel go from worshiping God to worshiping Baal? Jezebel made it her mission to remove God from all of society. She killed the prophets. She had them killed. She did everything she could to make war against God and have God removed from society in Israel. And this also spread into the southern kingdom of Judah. And we'll get into that with Jeremiah in just a few minutes. But pretty soon, you have got Israel and Judah worshiping Baal and God is no longer a part of their culture. How many times as men, as mankind, do we have to repeat the same mistakes before we learn the lesson? It happened before the flood. It happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's happened in Jerusalem. And that brings us to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 5 through 11. God tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah was prophesying to the country of Judah. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner and the fatherless or the widow and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land that I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words. There's that word deceptive again. See, that's the way Satan works. We're seeing a lot of deception. You are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder and commit adultery and perjury and burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known and then come and stand before me in the house which bears my name and say we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. They were practicing Baal worship in the temple in Jerusalem. God's holy temple. And you know, God says, has, has, has this place become a den of robbers to you? And I'm thinking, hmm, where have I heard that phrase before? Remember when Jesus entered Jerusalem just before his crucifixion and he entered the temple and they were... The Pharisees and the scribes were doing money changing and cheating people and stealing and, and doing all kinds of unholy things. And Jesus came in and said, you have turned my father's house into a den of robbers. Jesus knew what he was saying when he said that because he was quoting his father's very words from previously when they worshiped Baal in the temple. I want to go down to Jeremiah 19 verses 1 through 11. This is what the Lord says. Again, he's telling Jeremiah, go buy a clay jar from a potter. Take along some of the elders of the people and the priest and go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom near the entrance of Potsherd Gate. 
There proclaim the word, I tell you, and say, hear the word of the Lord, your kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this place a foreign gods. They have burnt incense in it to gods that neither they nor their ancestors nor the kings of Judah ever knew. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. See, we see that word, the blood of the innocent again. Let's tell you who the blood of the innocent word is. He goes on to say, they have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire as offerings to Baal. In God's temple, they were doing this. Something I did not command or mention, nor did I enter, or did it ever enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the people will no longer call this place Topeth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but they will call it the Valley of the Slaughter. This place I will ruin the plans of Judah and Jerusalem. I will make them fall by the sword before their very enemies and at the hands of those who want to kill them. And I will give their carcasses as food to the birds and the wild animals. I will devastate this city and make it an object of horror and scorn. All who pass by will be appalled with the scoff because of its wounds. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and daughters and eat one another's flesh because their enemies will press the siege so hard against them to destroy them. Then the jar, then break the jar while those who go with you are watching and say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will smash this nation and this city just as the potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. They will bury the dead in Topeth until there is no more room. And you know what? God did it. He sent the Babylonians in to destroy. They destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple that Solomon built. Down to nothing. They burned the city down to nothing. See, God's good to his word. Why is that? Because they were practicing the worship of Baal, satanic worship. See, any pagan worship is satanic simply because it is not of God. Remember what I said. God or Satan. That's it. There is no in-between. None whatsoever. It's either God or Satan. I didn't realize in all the study that I've done over the years in the Old Testament, I've always read that, that Israel strayed from their teachings and Israel worshipped other gods and so forth and so on, and that's why God sent Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to punish. I always have read that, but I never really understood what that worship entailed. Folks, they sacrificed their own children. As a matter of fact, they would have a, a bronze statue of Baal, or Moloch, I think is another name that they used for this statue. And it was a huge bronze statue of this God-formed thing sitting there with his hands out like this. Now, you know, they would light a fire in the base of that statue. This thing was a furnace. That's exactly what it was. Now, we know, we've read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they wouldn't bow down and they were thrown into a furnace, right? In Jerusalem, they would have this thing and they would build this fire in this thing and it would become so burning hot. Then they would bring these infants, these babies. I see 
the little boy on the back row, I'm sorry, folks, I've forgotten his name, but he's a cute little guy, and he's really growing, and I see those little guys, and I think to myself, they would take babies like that, and they would bring them up, and they would put them on these bronze hands that were fiery hot from the furnace, and the babies would literally burn to death right there. And the priests would play drums, they would beat drums so that the screams and the terror of the infants could not be heard by the parents. That's Baal worship, people. That's what happens when you remove God from society and there's nothing left but Satan. That's what happens. And mankind has repeated and repeated and repeated. And you know what? We're still repeating it. Do you know Baal worship still happens today? In Uganda, it's a real problem. Children are mutilated and sacrificed to Baal in Uganda. But not just Uganda. The practice of Baal worship, you know, over time, things change. But Satan never changes. The practice of sacrificing babies is practiced in the United States. Now, I'm not going to go into all the conspiracy theories about that because I don't preach conspiracy theories. I won't do it. I have my opinions. I won't. But if you think that baby sacrifice is not present, go spend a day at Planned Parenthood. Think about it. Have you ever really studied what happens during late-term or partial birth abortions? What happens in Uganda happens here. The infant is literally dismembered and sucked out. And I have seen, I'm sorry if this, I'm not sorry if this makes you mad. If it makes you mad, too dad gum bad, there's the door. I have seen Democrats in New York stand and applaud when they passed partial birth abortions in the state house in New York. I've seen them do it. I read one article today of a woman who was advocating for, she was advocating for this partial birth abortion, and she referred to it as the, as the sacrament of abortion. Do you know what a sacrament is? A sacrament is a holy action. It's something that we do that is holy. When I perform communion in this church, I am performing a sacrament. When I perform weddings or funerals in this church, I am performing a sacrament. It is a holy event. This woman refers to partial birth abortions as the sacrament of abortion. Don't tell me Baal worship is not present right here, right now in America. How many of you have ever heard of the Burning Man Festival? A few of you have. You know what the Burning Man Festival is? It is a festival that is held in the Black Rock Desert in northwestern um, Nevada between Elko and Reno up there in no man's land. They put up every year and have the Black Rock Festival began in 1986. It was moved to this remote, for good reason, desert in northwest Nevada. 
And I believe it was either 1991 or 1999. I, I can't remember what my research said on, on that. But it's, it's held out there every year. And they build an entire city in the middle of this no man's land desert. Have you ever driven across that part of the state of Nevada? Across the salt flats out there in, in Nevada? And, and I mean, where it's just barren sand and salt. For, that's what the pictures of this place look like. It's, it's a no man's land. But they build a city. And it's attended every year. Now, I'm going to say this. So far, the only good thing that has come from the COVID-19 is that they canceled Burning Man Festival this year as a result. You think there's a re... Do you think it's coincidence that they call it Burning Man Festival? Now, if you research Burning Man Festival, you're going to, depending upon who you research it with, if you research it with the media... Huffington Post or, or some of those, or even if you look it up in Wikipedia, they're going to refer to it as an art festival. Why would you call an art festival Burning Man? I've read other reports and I've watched some videos. Fortunately, I'm praying to God this morning as I'm watching these YouTube videos, don't let me see something that I totally can't unsee in these videos. And fortunately... The descriptions that I got in writing about what takes place at the Burning Man Festival and the videos that are on YouTube were not. It's obvious to see how, how, how that could be true, but at least they weren't showing it. The Burning Man Festival is a social experiment in anything goes, folks. That's how it was described. A social experiment in anything goes and anything goes out there. And I'm not going to go into the details because of the young people in the building of what actually goes on out there. Research it. Research it from a research it from a Christian perspective. Don't research it from the media. Research it from a Christian perspective. It's Baal worship. Now, I'm going to tell you how many people attend the Burning Man Festival every year. Last year's attendance. 78,850 people attended this. And basically they create a city, which in my mind is Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. You heard what I said about Sodom and Gomorrah? That's what the Burning Man Festival is. Now I have not heard about child sacrifice taking place out there, but there are subcultures that meet that we don't know what exactly happens. Baal worship. And here's the other thing. The Burning Man Festival has caught on and several other countries are now having their own Burning Man Festivals. It's satanic. Satanic worship. And we know that God detests it and God destroys it. He did it with the flood. He did it in Sodom and Gomorrah. He did it in Jerusalem. Mankind never seems to learn. When you remove God from society, all that's left is Baal or Satan. And I look at the movement in this country to remove God from society. It's no wonder we're reliving our past again. Liberals want God off the courthouse. They want God out of the schools. They want God out of our society completely. 
and we're moving in that direction. Now, explain to me this. The same group of people who advocate for abortion, okay? We know that within the political system, there's one side that advocates for abortion and one side that advocates against, and I'm not going to have to tell you who, who is who. But for the side that advocates for abortion, their primary argument is it's a woman's right to choose what she does with her body. And obviously that's a strong argument because it's held up in the Supreme Court. That it's a woman's right to choose what she does with her body. Then why is it that the same group of people that believe it's a woman's right to choose to sacrifice her baby does not believe we have a choice whether to wear a mask or whether to take a vaccination. And folks, that's coming down the line. There's already talk. If you cannot prove your immunization with this new coronavirus, you will not be allowed to go on planes. You will not be allowed to hold down jobs. I think some of you have already been told you will take the vaccination. Why is it that it's a choice to kill a baby, but the same people don't want to give you that choice about your body when it comes to a vaccination or a mask? You know, the funny thing about indoctrination is this. The more things are shoved down our throats, the more we accept it. Hypocrisy is running rampant today, people, and it's being shoved down our throats, and nobody is calling nobody out on it. You can't have it both ways. You can't say that this woman has the right to kill her baby, but she doesn't have the right to refuse a vaccination. You either have the right or you don't. Hypocrisy is running rampant. And I tell you this because mankind is steamrolling for destruction the way it's been destroyed before. For the same old reasons. When you take God out of society, you're left with nothing but Satan and God will destroy Satan every single time. We are bound to relive the mistakes of the past. But praise God for Jesus Christ. Because as us, we don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear the punishment, the wrath of God. The way that he poured out his wrath on Jerusalem. The way that he poured his wrath out on the world with the flood. Or the way he poured his wrath out on Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't have to worry. Because we are citizens of the kingdom of God as the scripture promises us. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I told Cindy on the drive down, I said, you know, I almost feel like just getting a big tub of popcorn and sitting back and watch God show the world who is in charge. I implore you, if you don't know Jesus tonight, you better get to know him pretty darn quick. Now, I could go into a lot of the talk that I've been hearing and a lot of the things that I've been seeing, and right now I'm chalking them up. They're being called conspiracy theories, and I'm going to leave them at that. I'm not going to sit here and preach conspiracy theories. If it's not backed in Scripture, I'm not going to preach it from up here, folks. But in my own personal thinking, I'm just waiting to see what happens in the very, very near future. Folks, we are steamrolling towards God. And we better be on the right side of things when he comes back. It's time, if you don't know Jesus, to get to know Jesus. And if you do know Jesus, folks, pray. 
Begin a prayer life. Prayer is so simple. Prayer is just talking to God. I do more praying while driving or while working or than I ever do on my knees. But there are times God will put me on my knees too. Just pray. Just talk to God and ask Him for wisdom, for discernment, and for the strength to stand up for what's right. For the strength to stand up for Jesus. Because the time is coming where we're going to have to stand up for Jesus. I fear the day is coming. I fear the day is coming. This church may have to move underground like it is in some other countries. In other countries, Korea, North Korea, China, churches held in secret. I hate the thought of that. I told Cindy today, I said, you know, I think, I think we, I, I really think that our generation will see God in his glory. I really do. And God's called me to preach, and I guess I have to do that until he calls me to not preach anymore, and I can't imagine he's going to do that now. So that probably means that I'll be hunted <laughs> at some point. Fortunately, I shoot back. And I told her I'll go down fighting before I let them take me, but that's neither here nor there. Pray for strength. Pray for discernment. Draw close to God because we're not citizens once we've accepted him of this world any longer. We have nothing to fear. Part of me gets excited when I think about God showing himself to this place. All the people that deny him, all the people that poke fun at us for believing, all the people that do all the horrible things. Hollywood, I can't wait till he just takes that stinking Hollywood sign and goes. Seriously, the day is coming. Hold on to God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these who have come. We thank you again, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, and what that means for us, Lord. We thank you for your love and mercy. And I just pray, Lord, for strength for the folks here, for the church, for myself. Lord, give us the strength to stand for you as, as the time calls for it. Lord, don't let us fall into deception. Keep us clear-eyed. Lord, watch over us and guide us and protect us. And Lord, by all means, may all the things that we do here at Circle 3 May we do them for your glory. I just pray that you be with us now as we go to our fellowship time. Pray that you bless the food to the nourishments of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time.